Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Hey, awesome food bloggers. Do you struggle with knowing exactly what you should be doing to move the needle forward in your business? And do you struggle with knowing what to focus on next? If so, if this sounds like you, I have two solutions for you. Number one is mastermind groups. There is so much power in getting people together and helping to solve each other's problems. At Eat Blog Talk, we have put together our own mastermind groups and we are hosting these weekly. You can join at any time. You can try it out for a month or you can sign up for a quarter or you can go all in and sign up for an entire year. Come join us. See if it's a great fit for you. And this will really help you to solve those problems you're having in your business and give you clarity about what you should be doing next to move your business forward. The next solution is the Eat Blog Talk membership. I have spent all of 2021 so far putting so much value inside of the membership. It is such a supportive and wonderful place to be for food bloggers. We are learning so much from each other. We are joining together in monthly intensive calls where we focus on very specific parts of food blogging in order to grow our businesses in massive ways. We also have guest experts come in and join us very regularly to talk about really specific parts of food blogging. And we get one-on-one access to these experts, such as Matt Mullen from Email Crush, Casey Marquis from MediaWise. So many great people are joining us in these sessions and they are super valuable. There are so many reasons why you should be in the membership. I could not even start touching on all of it. If you're tired of wandering around aimlessly in your business and not knowing what to focus on, Give the membership a try for free for two weeks. Go to eatblogtalk.com. You can sign up for the masterminds there and you can also start the process of getting into the membership for two weeks just to check it out. The rest of us can't wait to see you inside. Hey, food bloggers. Welcome to another episode of Eat Blog Talk. We're so happy you're listening today. I am so excited to have Cynthia Samanian with me today. She is from HiddenRhythm.com, and we're going to have a discussion about diversifying your income through online cooking classes. Cynthia is an online marketing expert dedicated to helping culinary pros achieve more freedom, flexibility, and fulfillment through teaching online classes, corporate demos, and more. When her growing experiential marketing agency came to a screeching halt, At the start of the pandemic, Cynthia took her years of experience creating engaging events in food and developed Cooking Class Business School. The program empowers the students, including chefs, bakers, content creators, and registered dietitians to diversify their income streams through teaching online. On a personal note, Cynthia is the daughter of Iranian immigrants, which has shaped how she sees food as a powerful medium to unite people across cultures and backgrounds. This experience constantly fuels her desire to help her students connect with others around the world through teaching what they love online. I love that bio, Cynthia. I'm so excited to chat with you. But first, we all want to hear your fun fact. Absolutely. I was excited for this. I've listened to your other episodes and I was thinking, like, what will my fun fact be? So it's funny because sometimes you don't think something's interesting. So I asked my husband and he was like, tell them about that time you worked on a dinner train. So my first real job, well, my first real job was 
working at a pizza place. But then I graduated to the Spirit of Washington dinner train. It was a train that actually served, yeah, a full three-course meal. Um, and it would go up along Lake Washington. I grew up in the Seattle area. So Lake Washington is its not huge, but you can basically do a round trip in an evening on a train. And so I was a server on that dinner train. And it was so fun because it was kind of kitschy. It was just a unique experience. It was probably my, I think, really my first experience in hospitality. And little did I know that I would kind of continue working in food. Uh, Later in my career, I definitely took some detours, but it was a really fun job. And unfortunately, it no longer exists. But oh, that sounds so fun. What a unique thing. Yeah, super fun experience. And serving food on a train that like is on super old tracks. I mean, it's, it's an experience. I definitely like have crazy respect for anyone in the hospitality industry, but like being on a moving train while serving. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Dinners. It was crazy. Oh my goodness. And just the fact that you were moving and you were, were on a train, I think makes it so unique. If you were just doing that in a restaurant, I mean, yeah, it's still valuable and awesome, but it's just different, right? But the fact that you were on a moving train on old tracks makes it so cool. Yeah, it was fun. And then it would go up to a winery, actually really well-known winery in the Seattle area. And it just, it was such a fun job being, I think I was a high schooler slash college student. And so that, yeah, who knew that? That would come up years later in this conversation. That's so funny. And it's your fun fact now. <laughs> who, who would have ever thought? I just want to just quickly dive into your um, experience recently with how you pivoted so awesomely in your business. I absolutely love, Cynthia, how you ran with the changes that happened during and because of the pandemic. And I was telling you a little earlier how it's so interesting how some people stop dead in their tracks and just freeze and don't know what to do. And some people pivot with such grace and with purpose. And I feel like this is your story. So I would love it if you just talked us through kind of what happened when the pandemic hit and how things have evolved for you. Absolutely. And I'm glad that it looked graceful on the outside. (laughs) It certainly didn't feel that way. Um, So one of my favorite quotes that really sums up my experience is this quote of constraints drive creativity. Um, So when things are taken from you, when you don't have access to resources, whether it's money or time, you have to find a way to make it work. And that was truly my motto in 2020. So to give um, everyone listening some background, before doing what I do now, which is running Cooking Class Business School, I ran an experiential marketing agency. And um, that's just a fancy way of saying that I worked with food brands on events. So brands like Bob's Red Mill, Topo Chico, Bear Snacks, I would work with them on creating these super engaging, high impact activations. So it could be, for example, I built a an indoor apple orchard, a block off Venice Beach in the middle of the fall to bring the the season of fall to LA and to teach children about kind of how apples are grown, right? Um, So lots of fun experiences. I worked very closely with culinary pros, food bloggers, um, registered dietitians, people who were experts and uh, brands wanted to kind of tap into that expertise. So I worked with some great culinary pros on workshops that were done all in person. Now, 2020 was going to be my biggest year yet. I mean, 
far and away. And I was just building my business probably in the third year at that point. And I just, I couldn't wait. I also was pregnant at the time and had a baby girl due at the end of June, my first child. And I looked at 2020 thinking, great, the first four or five months, I'm going to work really, really hard, take a maternity leave, come back and be right back into it for all of the holiday events, which is of course a huge season in food. Well, we all know what happened. March 2020 came around and Literally, Megan, my complete pipeline for 2020 had disappeared. Oh, completely. I mean, at, at first there were conversations with food brands that said, you know, let's just wait it out for a week and see. And it very quickly turned into, hey, Cynthia, I need my $20,000 deposit check back. Oh <laughs> which my gosh. Is life changing money for a small business? I'm sure everyone listening can understand. And, you know, I was counting on that money to pay the bills. And while my husband works full time in a more traditional job, still, we live in the Bay Area. It's expensive. So we uh, so at that time, I, I had a choice. I was either going to throw in the towel and just try and apply to some some company somewhere. I, I do have my MBA and I have a marketing background and I figured, OK, maybe I could find, quote, a normal job. But that's not my DNA. I like to make things challenging and choose the windy path. And so what I did is I basically looked at the skills that I had and what I knew I could teach. And I will set this up by saying I had invested in online marketing skills for a few years before COVID. So I had learned how to create an online course. I had learned email marketing, Facebook ads, all of these things were in my toolkit for that one day I would eventually go out and build an online side to my business. I knew that events wouldn't scale. So my dream was never to have a huge events agency. I figured, well, if I could supplement it with an online course that could teach people how to run events, that could be a perfect balance. Well, little did I know that that time would be March 2020. And so with all of those tools that I had, I hunkered down and said, okay, I have a due date of June 28th, which is my daughter's due date. And oh I, my gosh. Yeah. I got to create, launch, sell this course and teach it and be done with enough time to deliver this baby. And that's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, it was called Online Experiences for Food Brands, which has now evolved into Cooking Class Business School. But essentially, I pre sold the course. So I didn't quite know if there was demand. So I put it out there and I said, if one person buys, then I'm going to create it. And that ended up happening. And I had actually more than one person buy. I had dozens of students and they actually all were culinary pros. They weren't food brands, which was my initial audience. They were chefs, bakers, caterers, people who had lost their main source of income due to COVID. And we worked really closely together and I helped them figure out how they could teach online cooking classes so that they could still gain some income and grow their audience during this really challenging time for the industry. Oh my gosh, good for you. Nice work. As you were talking through your story, I was thinking what a rock star to have that deadline and to actually meet it. That was a, that's a really tight deadline. So from March to June, you had and you knew you had to get you knew you had to get it done and you said this in the beginning, constraints drive creativity. And that's so true. When we have timelines, somehow we pull out that magic and we just find that motivation to get things done more than if we don't have the deadline. 
So nice work. So I want to hear about your course and how did you structure it? And do you have any like highlights or tips about things you learned during the creation of it? Yeah, absolutely. So the course has since evolved. And I will say in the beginning, you know, in a perfect world, I would have done one-on-one coaching with these culinary pros. I would have really done a more in-depth process to understand their needs and wants, but I didn't have the time, right? So I, I think if you are kind of a perfectionist type A person, you may feel the urge to want to do all the right things along the way. And I am I am that person. And I think what 2020 taught me is that sometimes done is better than perfect. And I just needed to get it out the door. And my normal state would have spent eight months creating what I was able to create in about two. So I mean, looking back at that, my biggest lesson to myself and to those of you listening is put it out there because I, like I said earlier, thought that my audience would be food brands. So the marketing person at Bob's Red Mill or someone at a food brand who wanted to promote their brand online through demos and other cooking experiences, but who ended up signing up for my program were all of these, you know, chefpreneurs, these small business owners who were just so eager to just jump on something because what they had, their main bread and butter was lost. So Had I not just taken that plunge, I probably would have never discovered that audience. And the the silver lining in all of this is that I love that audience more than the food brands. No offense to anyone who's listening, but but no, I mean it's it's so exciting to empower this audience. And they're primarily women. A lot of them are career changers. And to give them the tools that I kind of honestly took for granted in my own career and assumed everyone knew, well, it's not the case. So anyways, kind of a long answer to your question, Megan, but basically just kind of putting something out there and gauging the response took me so much further than me analyzing it in my head and spending all the time doing the research when ultimately the best research is the response from the market. And so the program eventually evolved into Cooking Class Business School and it's structured into recipes. So kind of playing off of this culinary theme, uh, there are six recipes and the recipes walk my students from the very beginning of understanding who is your niche, really defining it, identifying who do you want to serve and how do you want to serve them and walking them all the way through building your email list, your marketing funnel, your sales page for your online classes and experiences. And then at the very end, we do a whole recipe on the tech. So how to get your camera set up and how to make sure that you have a a, a tech setup that looks professional, but isn't crazy expensive or impossible to manage. So that's the content piece. And then we also have coaching. So I lead coaching calls and we have uh, you know a community element as well, where the students get to meet in these small groups and Every week they get to connect and have a smaller, more intimate experience in the program. So all in, it's a four-month program, but the content itself is only about like six recipes that could be done in a month or so. But really that the the meat of the program is what happens after you learn everything and you need to implement it. And so that's how the program evolved. I added more coaching and support elements so that people really have that community while they're getting their businesses off the ground. 
Your course sounds amazing. Oh my gosh. I mean, you have everything involved in there. Understanding your niche is the first step, I think, always for anything. And then going down the line, the email and the tech and everything in between. Um, And I want to point out what you said, Cynthia, about just not needing to be perfect in order to get started. Because myself included, I feel like so many people get hung up on that. And we try to work through a project in our minds to the point where it's like, you know, perfect or not perfect, but like really good. Like this is what it needs to be. And if there are question marks, this is what I do. I'm like, well, there's a question mark. Maybe I need to sit on it more and wait. But in fact, that's not true. Get it out there so that you can get feedback about what you need to change. And you had an entirely new audience come to you that you didn't even know would come to you. So that was a huge reason to do it. Like maybe there's a group of people waiting for you to put your thing out there that you don't even know about. Love that whole message. I want to hear about your marketing and how you marketed all of this so quickly. Was it hard? Do you have any thing to share with us if we have to market something really fast. Yeah, yeah. So it like I said, I, I had the benefit of being exposed to the strategies beforehand and having this toolkit that I would one day use. And it's actually really funny for for those of you listening who have children, you'll laugh at this. I thought my original plan before COVID hit was that I would have my events business, have the baby in June slash July. And then while on maternity leave, I would work on my online course, <laughs> <laughs> which like I am laughing now and you're laughing. At me. I mean, that's crazy. Like, yeah. I but was, you had no way of knowing that. I mean, you had nothing to compare it to. But in our minds, we think, oh, I can do this. I'm superwoman. Yeah, exactly. Totally. So uh, fortunately, it, it worked out in a way that I did have those like few months of just full-on dedication to this project. I wasn't working on anything else. So uh, Mar- mid-March, I decided I would pivot to this program. I quickly kind of created a skeleton of what the program would include and came up with the name, the messaging. And I believe I started promoting it in early April. The course closed at the end of April for enrollment. So let's say I had 30 days. Um, and what I did is I was, so I knew I didn't have a lot of time to kind of build in, in my program. I talk a lot about this concept of no like, and trust. You really want to build a relationship with your audience. You don't just want to jump to the sale. So I had to find a way to really accelerate that. Um, and so I did use a webinar uh, framework. So I would run ads on Facebook that would get people to sign up for my webinar. And the ads in the beginning were really different than the ads at the end. Meaning at first I was like, hey, food brands, like now's the time to take your business online, blah, 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 sign up here for my free training, which was the webinar. Well, as I started to see who was signing up, I literally, like this is kind of creepy, Megan, but I would look them up on Facebook and be like, who is this person? Like who actually is this person? And I saw this trend of the most of these people signing up were chefs. They were bakers. They were chocolatiers. Some of them were food bloggers as well. And I realized like, wait a minute, the people who are signing up are not the people I'm talking to in the ad. So while doing, I, I did about, I think five or six live webinars and I I had them like two or three per week for about a two week period. And 
after the first or second webinar, I quickly changed my ad messaging. I changed the creative and it was like, hey, chefs <laughs> and and changed, I mean, everything. And, and that actually brought in more of the people who were signing up. So it was a real time pivot, tweak, adjust. And I had no idea if I was going to even like serving this audience. I mean, I, I couldn't be picky. I really was desperate to make money. And I am so fortunate that it has now connected me to this audience of, you know, primarily women in the culinary space who I have so much passion serving. So I'm, I'm glad it worked out that way. But to answer your question, it was it was a Facebook ad strategy. Um, and I, I just had to throw money at it, hoping that I would get my return. And and I did. I mean, I wasn't spending like tens of thousands of dollars. It wasn't that much money in the grand scheme of things, but it was still a bet because if people came to the webinar and no one signed up, I would have been in the red. But fortunately, it was able to be profitable and I was able to kind of have some profit to use for my next launch in September after I had the baby. So that's that's how I marketed it really quickly. Um, but after that first launch in April, I knew that I wanted to double down on this business. And so I created a marketing strategy that was a little bit <laughs> cheaper and more organic. So I started to create content around the topics that I teach in cooking class business school. And I have my podcast, The Experiential Table. So I had more time to do some of the slower organic marketing, but in the beginning, I I just needed warm bodies to attend that webinar as quickly as possible. <laughs> Get people in. Yes. <laughs> Did you have experience with Facebook advertising prior to this? A little bit, a little bit. So I had taken um, a course that taught me basically how to use Facebook ads to get people on your email list. So I primarily used it for, you know, I had a freebie or lead magnet. Um, you know, in my case, it was like a free guide. It was a PDF. And I wanted to get that in front of my ideal audience. So I would run Facebook ads to get people to sign up for that um, with the hopes that, okay, now they're on my email list. If I'm good with my email marketing and I'm consistent, then I'll start to build that relationship with them so that one day when I do have something to sell, they will be ready to buy. Um, so I actually did have experience with that. But of course, the past few years before COVID, I was testing out different ideas with different audiences. So I spent a lot of money acquiring an audience, a community of people who actually uh, I have since purged because they're not, they, they were more focused on the event marketing side and less of what I do now. So it was an expensive practice round, I'll say. <laughs> That happens though. I've had expensive practice rounds many times and I always pull a lesson away from it. So I think that's sometimes necessary, unfortunately, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and honestly, I mean, if I look back, it's like, well, having those low pressure situations when I was running Facebook ads helped set me up for March 2020 when I, I had to run them because the the health of my business was dependent on them. And I now have a much more balanced strategy. And even in cooking class business school, I have a bonus around Facebook ads. And, you know, a lot of people have been burned by them because if you don't know exactly how to use them, you can just be giving a lot of money to Facebook and not getting results. So you just, you have to be really, really careful about how you're using them. I've done that. I remember looking at my budget after a year went by, or maybe it was even two years and thinking, oh my gosh, I spent 
that much money on Facebook ads. I didn't even know what I was doing. So I basically just like donated money to Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, here you go. Here you probably don't even need this Facebook, but it's true. And and I've one of the biggest traps I think is when people, at least my students who come in, they boost posts or they have an online cooking class event set up on Facebook and they just run ads to that to like random strangers all over the world. And so those are really ineffective strategies, at least for my audience and, and what my community is trying to do. But I um, I do believe that there there is a huge opportunity in using ads on Facebook, but you, you've got to know what you're doing and you have to be really strategic. Otherwise, as you said, like you can just throw money away. So yeah, you have in your notes, so you have a few things that you need to have in place with marketing before you do it. So one is that believing your class is not for everyone. You have to find that niche because if you try to deliver your content to everybody, you end up delivering to absolutely nobody, in my opinion. Exactly. So I love that. And then you have also not focusing too much on sales, which I think is such a big thing that we get trapped in. And for me, it's been more just focusing on value and delivering value to people that I'm passionate about and really, truly caring about the people that I'm delivering value to. And I think it can take time, don't you think, to get there? Because when we first start a business, we're like, well, I have to make sales, yeah. money, money, money. But it's more about just getting that value to people. And once you do that in a really genuine way, I feel like the floodgates open, magic starts happening, people see how authentic you are. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. So it's funny because I actually teach, um, I talk about these mistakes in more detail in my masterclass, which I'll talk about later, but I, it's, people will say, well, wait, wait, you don't want me to focus on sales. Cynthia, I'm, I'm here to learn how to you know, create and market my profitable online cooking classes. If they're not, if they're not selling, how can I be profitable? And you're absolutely right, Megan. The key is rather than focusing your marketing efforts on buy this, sign up now, register, right? We hear a lot of those messages, especially when people are promoting their classes and any offer really. That only works if someone knows who you are, they likes what you offer and they trust you and they're ready to buy. So that no like trust funnel or factor, I, I, I treat it more as a funnel, frankly, is the key. And so rather than focusing too much on selling exactly what you said, Megan, like thinking about how you can get people to, first of all, know who you are, not just, oh, I'm you know a food blogger that focuses on gluten-free baking, but like, who are you? Why do you care about gluten-free baking? What's your story? Like really connecting beyond just the, the surface level of this is what I do and here are the recipes. And I'm sure your audience knows this. I mean, food blogging is so much about storytelling. And so I think your audience gets it more than maybe other audiences that I work with because story is such a big part of building a food blogging business. Uh, so making sure that people know who you are and then making it really clear like how you're different and how what you're teaching them is important to them. Because sometimes when we focus on just selling, we're like, okay, come learn how to make these gluten-free brownies. And it's like, that's fine. That's what you're teaching them. But why should they care? Like, how will it improve their lives? Or what context is it for? Like, is it, you know, a holiday season recipe? Um, we, we just have to think beyond just this transactional uh, value of like, here's my class, sign up. Here's how much it is. Hope to see you there. 
<laughs> there's so much more to it. There is. And when you hear that word transaction, you just think like going to the store and purchasing some lemons, like that's a transaction. But you want to provide more than that. You don't want just want to uh, sell something that people are buying. You want to actually provide them with the value, with the transformation, and you have to communicate that. And I think that is the one of the hardest things about marketing is learning that, that it's not all about the transaction. Exactly. And in fact, one of uh, so I went to business school and I, I off the record. No, I'm kidding. Um, didn't <laughs> learn a whole lot that what I do, and it was another very expensive uh, decision in my life. But the one of the things that I learned is this concept of the jobs to be done. Or so so basically, when you are buying a product, let's just say a luxury handbag. What are you actually like hiring that handbag to do for you, right? Why are you paying for that handbag? Well, it's not just to carry something because we all know you could spend, you know, nothing and get like a a tote bag or like a, you know, a, a plastic bag at the grocery store and you could carry something, right? So when people buy a luxury good, they are hiring that product to make them feel better, to give them confidence, to give them status. And so I think about that a lot in the world of online cooking classes. Sometimes my students think, well, I am teaching them how to make gluten-free brownies. That is why they are coming to my class. Well, that's one part of it. That's like the very, very surface level uh, reason why. But are they also coming to you because they want to you know, connect in a community with others in a live class setting? Right? Are they looking to feel belonging and to feel like they're with people who understand the challenges of being a gluten-free parent? Right. So there's so much more to it than just someone is coming to me to learn this or someone is buying this product for like just the function. There's a whole like psychological aspect and there are benefits that aren't so crystal clear when you just look at it at face value. Mm, I so agree with that. I love how you worded that. Can you talk us through your framework? You have a four-step framework for creating and marketing profitable online cooking classes. I want to hear this. Yeah, absolutely. So I I talked about the six recipes in cooking class business school, but kind of looking at it a step higher, kind of thinking about it in four steps. I have this framework. It's called Zest, which... Uh, is great, right? Who doesn't like lemon zest? Um, and it stands for zero in, engage, sell, and teach. So it's essentially those six recipes I talked about, but distilled into four steps. And the first part is zeroing in on who you teach, what you teach, your pricing, all of those key decisions that you need to make in the beginning. And this is actually where most of my students spend a lot of time in the program. And I tell them, don't rush this. They're so tempted to just skip to getting that fancy camera or moving into like, you know, which platform they should use to sell their classes on. But I tell them, if you don't know who you are teaching and why you're teaching them and your unique brand story, all of that juicy stuff, then the rest of it really doesn't matter. So zeroing in is very important. It is the foundation. And then engage, that's the E, is really about what we've talked about here, Megan, which is how to connect with your audience, how to invest the the time and the energy to share who you are, what you offer, why they should care, really building that relationship so that when you're ready to sell, which is the next 
step sell. Uh, you have this audience that's warm. They're excited. They know what you offer and they're ready to buy from you. So in that step, you also need to think about what platform you'll be using, um, whether you are going to, um, you know, use, there are some third parties out there, or if you want to just add a purchasing widget on your own site, if you have a, a great site on WordPress or another, another platform. And then we also, um, in the cell, the cell uh, step, it's not just around platform, but it's also around promotion. So creative ways that you can promote your classes. I'm a big fan of teaming up with others, whether they are other culinary pros or small brands, even nonprofits. Those are just very successful tactics to get your classes out there and to reach more people beyond your audience. And then the final step is teach, which is which is the one that is is the most fun because people just love being able to get their setups ready, test out whether they're using two cameras or one. And in Cooking Class Business School, we actually have what we call Demo Week, which is a chance for everyone in the program to teach one another in a very low risk, fun, safe environment. And we have like sushi chefs and chocolatiers and macaron bakers, like basically all in the same program. So it's a really, really, really fun experience. Oh, I love your idea of demo week. No expectations, just low maintenance. You can just demo to people who are doing the same, who maybe want to demo back to you. So I love that. Yeah, it's fun. And selfishly, I get to benefit from it too, because I drop in on a lot of the classes and I'm not, I, I'm a food lover and I used to be a blogger and love the culinary world, but I certainly don't have the level of expertise that my students do. So it's kind of like a free cooking school for me. <laughs> Absolutely. I would want to drop in too and just see what's going on. How many people do you have taking the course? I'm just curious. And then what benefits are coming from this? So it's under a year old. Oh, oh my gosh, it's already May. Yeah. It's already almost <laughs> June. So not you launched it the end of June. So it's almost a year old. Yeah. So what are you seeing that people who are in it, like what benefits are happening for them? Yeah, yeah, I know. I can't believe it's been a year. So the program right now, it is on a model where you can basically um, sign up. We have rolling enrollment available. So before we had kind of these cohorts where you had to sign up in this 10-day period and then you would be in our January cohort and that would go for 10 weeks. But I just know that with things starting to open up again and people's schedules getting busy, that doesn't necessarily work for everyone. So now we offer enrollment on a rolling basis based on spaces available. Um, it, Like I mentioned earlier, there's a coaching element that I'm very much involved with. It's very hands-on. So uh, my goal is, not, is to have the program be a size that's uh, reasonable for me to maintain and isn't overwhelming. So right now we have about 50 people who are going through it. Some of them are wrapping up. Others just enrolled yesterday. Um, and so we have people in our student community who, you know, they're all kind of engaging and chatting and helping each other out. Um, but there are new people joining basically every day. Um, and the results have been amazing, Megan. I mean, it's been so exciting to see what's happened, even as things are opening up in this post-COVID world. Um, we are seeing a lot of students have success, not only with their public classes, but specifically corporate classes. Um, companies have been geographically dispersed before COVID and they will continue to be. I mean, that's that's what I believe. So 
you know, a lot of these companies are looking for team building projects or team building uh, events that can bring their employees together, no matter where they are working, whether they're working from home or they're working at remote offices. And so many of my students have been able to really capitalize on this need in the corporate space. And that's helped them make, you know, great money. I mean, people are booking $3,000 classes, which is literally a 90 minute class that they're teaching. And oh, that's so awesome. $3,000, right? And I had a student actually recently, I was working with her and she was able to get two corporate clients, each booking $3,000. So that was $6,000 in one month. And like her normal business, like that would be one of her, I don't want to say one of her busiest months, but the fact that she only had to do you know, less than five hours of work all in to get that was life-changing. It just opened up so many opportunities for her. So those are the types of results we see. And we also see people starting um, online cooking class memberships and doing more consumer-facing classes. And those are doing well. They're competitive. So like anything, the niche element is so important. And that's why in my program, we start with it because I want to make sure that you know, one of the biggest mistakes I see is people go out there and they they don't have a niche and they kind of just sell their classes to everyone and it doesn't it doesn't really rise above the noise. And so you've really got to focus on that. And that's where we see a lot of our students have the most success. The ones that have the most obscure, um, really, 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 really focused experiences, those are the ones that people talk about because they're interesting. Yes. I always say this too. If you're going to do a cooking class, do something that's really interesting or weird or just different off the wall, really super specifically unique. And that is a theme across the board, not just with cooking classes, but with blog themes, with blog niches, with Facebook groups. The really, really strange, (laughs) like really unique things are the ones that are getting all of that traction. So I love that you are on the, on the same page with that. And this really is, Cynthia, a huge opportunity for food bloggers. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Because the thing is, the thing with online cooking classes is you don't need to drop everything you're doing to do it. In fact, most of your audience listening, like they already have the recipes, they have the story, they have the niche, they have a lot of the elements. Now it's about putting it together and packaging it um, and and they have the audience. So I think for food bloggers, it's a no brainer if you want to bring in an additional source of revenue, if you want to diversify your income, and if you also really just want to engage with your audience in person, what, even if it's online, right? And that's that's a benefit that I don't talk about often, but one that my students remind me of, which is just being in this like Zoom classroom with people who are excited to learn from you. Uh, that energy, that connection, that is something that you you know can't fully get when you're reading comments on a blog post, or um, you know it's it's a different type of engagement. And I think it's one that blog readers will be excited to to partake in. And so there are benefits beyond just financial. You can really literally kind of get in front of your audience and they can learn from you in a way that's a bit different than say watching a video or reading a recipe. And I'd say not only connect with you, but get to know you much more deeply because you think about even those connections you've made over the years, maybe via email, and then you have a Zoom call with somebody and suddenly your relationship is 
so much deeper just in like, you know, 10 minutes. It could be just having that face-to-face interaction and having somebody see you in person is so, so cool. I think there are so many benefits there. Yeah. And I'm sure like some of your listeners, they're like celebs for their audiences, right? Like their, their readers are excited to get to see what it's like in their kitchen and I know, I know that there are some food bloggers that I would totally be fangirling over if they opened up their kitchen and I could just watch them cook and cook along. Oh my gosh, that's so true. Yes, that is so true. So I want to hear about how we can access your course. If anybody listening is interested yeah. in checking it out, how do they do that? Yeah, absolutely. So really the best way to learn about cooking class business school and to kind of learn my teaching style and and see if it's the right fit for you is to watch my free masterclass. So it's available various times throughout the day, which is great. It's not, you don't have to wait for me to, to do it live, which I, is really convenient for people. So you can go to hiddenrhythm.com slash masterclass, and then you can sign up for a time slot that works for you. I will share some strategies and tips to help you with your marketing today. And then at the very end, I will talk about cooking class business school and how you can enroll. So um, we do have spots available as of the the day that we're recording this um, and we are growing and I would love to get your audience in the masterclass so that they can hear, you know, kind of what, what it's all about and see if it's the right fit for them. Awesome. So go check that out if you're interested. And Cynthia, I'm curious if you could take away one thing that you would want food bloggers to know about this topic we've talked about today, what would it be? Absolutely. So this is my all-time favorite quote. Um, And I think it rings true, uh, especially in this last year that we experienced. And it's, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And I think it's so true. People will come to me and say, oh my gosh, Cynthia, like how lucky that you stumbled upon this. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. But I worked really, really hard and I seized an opportunity I had in front of me and not just me, but so many others in the culinary space have done the same. And I think the lesson here is that it's never too early to start preparing yourself for another opportunity or to explore a different revenue stream. And uh, you'll find yourself in a position where you feel lucky. But if you look back, you'll realize like you put in a ton of work to build your food blogging business. And you can use online cooking classes to capitalize on it and to continue to grow your income. And I think that's truly the definition of, you know, when you say luck, well, I don't know if it's really luck. I think you've just done a lot of hard work and you're seizing an opportunity in front of you. I think that's one of my favorite things about your story is that you kind of unknowingly prepared yourself for this business that unfolded, which is so cool. It's like your subconscious knew or something like you had to prepare and we're always doing that. Yeah. We're always doing things that we're like, are, is this going to be valuable? And then down the road, we're like, oh, wow, look at that. I'm actually using that. So I think that is a good thing to remember. It's not always about luck. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. This was super fun. And I hope this inspires some food bloggers to get out there and put their faces in front of their audience and in a new way and to maybe explore the world of online cooking classes. So thank you for all of this information, Cynthia. Thank you so much for having me, Megan. We are going to put together a show notes page for you, Cynthia. So if anyone wants to go peek at that, we will put all um, links that we've referred to and some main takeaways in there. 
You can find it at eatblogtalk.com forward slash hidden rhythm. And you already shared about where to find your course, but where else can people find you online? Are you on Instagram? Anywhere else? Yeah, yeah. So I I love Instagram. I am also hidden rhythm on Instagram and hiddenrhythm.com is my website. So pretty consistent all over the internet. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being here, Cynthia. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.